Welcome to New Hope and the teaching ministry of Pastor Randy Rainwater. We as a nation have replaced kingdom with politics. We've replaced revival with revolution, repentance with rage, but God is still at work. It's called his grace and he's not forgotten us. As we continue our study through the book of Revelation, we're examining New Testament scripture in light of Old Testament scripture and asking the question, what does that say to us today? Turn in your Bible now to Revelation chapter 6 as Assistant Music Director Sarah so Burnett reads verses us. in that passage. Pastor Randy follows. Seven, starting at verse 13. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb is in the midst of the throne, will be their shepherd. He will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Will you greet others around you as you take your seats? Well, good morning, New Hope. You know, it's, uh, you guys are becoming a lot more social uh, as, as time goes on. Uh, it's fun to hear that. So if you uh, have your Bibles and you probably already turned to that, Revelation chapter six. One other announcement as we move forward. When we get to uh, August, September, the other thing that we're gonna reinstitute, we've got, uh, we've got a group that is for 40s and 50s, and it's called Fabulously 40s and 50s. And if you're not in a group and you're in that age group, or you think you are, uh, you, you, can, you can join us there. And the other thing that we're gonna start is a couple times a month on campus with childcare, we're gonna do a young marriage. And again, whatever that is to you, uh, what, that's, I mean, we're basically thinking like somewhere in the 38-ish range, uh, but you know, it moves on up if you're a little older than that. Uh, I don't know why we picked 38. I, I know it's random. But if you're a part of that, uh, we'd love for you to join us. You'll be hearing more about it. And Patrick's heading all that up and so excited about what he's doing there. This is, uh, this is a passage of scripture that I'm gonna go through fairly fast because we're doing something at the end today. We wanna have an opportunity, a pause for people to be able to be prayed for. And we've got stations in the back that's gonna be a little different today. Stations in the back, we've got, we'll have elders and shepherds back there to pray for you. We have oil to anoint. We also are gonna have communion stations over on the sides here that are more self-serve, and you can come to those. Well, we'll be, we'll be giving it out here in the front. You can come to the sides and move a little bit slower if you wanna take a little bit more time for that. We wanted to start being very intentional at the end of the service about giving you an opportunity to be more reflective of the things that God's showing us and just have a little bit of space there that we could enter into relationship with him in a much more personal way. As we've been looking at Revelation, that word apocalypse of 
the, the unveiling. It's, it's seeing something in the light of something bigger. We talked about hermeneutics last week. That's the science of interpretation. You interpret things based on other scriptures. Out of, out of when Hebrews talks about the word of God's living and active, that second Timothy, that all scripture is inspired by God, God breathed. As we're looking at that, we're gonna examine scripture in light of scripture. So we're examining New Testament scripture largely in light of Old Testament scripture. And what does that say to us today? What would, what would these churches say to us today? What would these first century believers be saying to us today in the places that we're in? And today I wanna to talk to you about posers and heart-healed heroes, H-cubed, heart-healed heroes, posers and heart-healed heroes. We're looking today at the unveiling now, the breaking open of these seals. This is the part of Revelation that often causes people some level of concern, a lot of confusion. I'm wanting that to be clearer today when we're finished. But I also am hoping that when we look at this in the context of what it's actually saying, I think there's some incredible words of encouragement. The first thing, though, as we look at this story of the seven seals and specifically these four horses, it's, it's not really the four horsemen. It's really about the four horses, the white, the red, the black, and the pale horse. These are all just broken imitations, poser imitations of the story in Zechariah chapter six. In Zechariah six, and you can, this afternoon, you might wanna just open up your Bible and look. All those horses are listed there, and they're going out to proclaim the redemption of God's people from the exile that they've been in in Babylon. God is saying, we, you are gonna be freed. You are gonna have a future and a hope, and I want you to see this in light of the future and the hope that this is. But these are broken imitations, these four horses that we're gonna read about today. They're broken imitations of that. I was at a flea market in Sanford, Florida many, many years ago. Anybody been to the flea market in Sanford, Florida? It's a huge flea market. I think there's a number of flea markets that call themselves the world's biggest flea market. And Sanford called itself the world's biggest flea market. I'm not sure how good of a thing that is or not. But, but I was at the world's biggest flea market and it was, it was huge. And you had these, these booths that were like retail booths where people sold the same things every week. And then there were also some booths that people basically had yard sales. Well, I was basically at this yard sale booth and this guy had mason jars and vases everywhere up on these shelves. And I was walking by and he said, he said sir, look at, look at this vase. And I said, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty vase. And he said, well, it's actually a vase. And I said, well, I'm not exactly sure the difference. And he said, well, this is, I, I believe this is Chinese. He said, as a matter of fact, this could be Ming Dynasty. And I said, I said, I, you know, how do you know that? He goes, well, I watch Antiques Roadshow on PBS. This could be worth millions of dollars. And I said, can I see that vase? He said, well, I'll hold the vase for you. So he took it down. He put gloves on, took it down off the shelf, and he's holding it. And I said, well, it is Chinese, but it's not Ming. And he said, how do you know? I said, it says made in China on the inside of it. This is a broken, what we're gonna see here is a broken imitation. And as we look at this, this is a, this is a cheap and broken imitation. God says to his people, Jeremiah 2.13, my people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and they've hewed out 
broken cisterns that hold no water. If you know what a cistern is, you know that a cistern collects all the stuff from the roof of a house. If you've, if you've traveled, you know this. The most important thing to be healthy when you travel is to what? To not drink the water, to drink bottled water. Water, we have a team right now working. We prayed for them before the service. Just continue to pray for them if you would. They're in a part of the world that's a little tenuous right now. Water is one of the things that we work with. When we go to other countries, we work at trying to help provide clean water because clean water is so important for health. And in this passage that we're gonna see, what we're gonna see here is the natural consequence of living a life of sin. This is a natural consequence of living a life of sin. There's a blaming of the lamb. There's a blaming of God for some of the things that are happening here, but this is not that God is enacting vengeance on the earth. This is that God is pulling back some of the protections. Galatians 6, 7, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. What a man sows, he reaps. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, 23, he says, be sure your sin will find you out. There is no exception to this. That when we live a life that chooses to be apart from God, there are natural consequences of that. Very natural consequences. And we're gonna see those today in this passage. Here's the first horse. And I watched verse six, one, chapter six, verse one. And the lamb opened one of the seals. He gives authority here. He's not enacting it. And I heard one of the four living creatures with a voice say, come. And I looked and behold, a white horse. That's an okay sound to me. It doesn't bother me at all. I think it's a beautiful sound. So amen, church. Okay. All right. So I'll try to just be louder. All right. And and it's rider. Now watch this. This is the white horse. This is a fake white horse. Now it's a real white horse, but it's a fake of the rider that comes on the white horse because Jesus comes on the, on the white horse later on. We'll see him later on in Revelation. This is, a, this is a fake Jesus. His rider had a bow, not a bow and arrows, but a bow. He's bringing peace. This is his message is peace. And he has a crown, but that word crown in the Greek is not, it's not a gold crown, it's a cheaply woven crown. It's, it's made out of, out of rope, it's a cheap crown. And it was given to the rider and he came out conquering and to conquer. This is not about the authority of power, it's about getting you to lay down your power. That's what this king is about. He's about, I'm going to bring peace, not because I'm going to be strong and bring peace, I'm gonna get you to lay down all of your authority. There's a movement afoot today in our culture to conquer families, conquer the next generation. It's about laying down the authority that we have in homes. And, and if you don't acquiesce to it, you'll be canceled. That's the similar kind of voice that's happening here in this. I was driving the other day in a community not far from here and I saw a sign and it said, we believe in science. And then it had six statements, basically worldview statements, that were the most unscientific things I think I've ever seen that followed that. It, we believe in science until our emotions and feelings don't go with it. We've all got to be careful there, by the way. I'm just as susceptible to that as anybody else. Whatever positions that you have about things, we've, we've learned in our culture to run to emotions. This is what this 
this leader is doing. He's basically saying, I'm gonna bring ideas and you will acquiesce to my ideas. Ideas that are not truth are very dangerous. Listen to this. Listen to this world statesman. That I love peace appears perhaps most clearly from my work and that it lies the difference between me and warmongers. I have good reason enough to wish for peace, but these agitators have no use for peace since they create nothing for peace. They are not working for peace. Listen to what he said just a few years differently. I know well what war means. I've seen it with my own eyes and many a statesman has not done that. It is not as a traitor to my country that I repudiate war. I repudiate war even as a soldier. As a soldier, I remain decent and I'm determined to be decent in the future. And I think you'll know who this is when I read this. Same person. France fears for her security. She should not fear for her security. Neither I or anyone in Germany wants to threaten France. Those were all the words of Hitler. False words of peace. There's a, there's a difference between real peace and a false peace. That peace got taken by the red horse. And look at the red horse the second seal, verse three, I heard the second creature say, come, and out came another horse, bright red. And its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth so that people would slay one another, and he was given a great sword. This is, this is not so much war as it is violence. Here's the amazing thing when you look at cultures and you look at violence. We tend to spend a lot of energy worried about violence out there. But the great truth is this, 90% of women whose lives are taken are taken by a man that they know. Over 70% are harmed, are killed by the person that lives in their house. We spend a lot of energy out there. We spend a lot of energy focused out there. But violence, we tend to be our own worst enemies. The Crusades, which we hear a lot about, between one and three million people died. The five foot four inch Joseph Stalin killed around 50 million people in 20 years in his own country. You take our nation, you take the Revolutionary War, the War of 1812, you take First World War, Second World War, you take Iraq, Afghanistan, you total those numbers up, they still pale in comparison to the number of people that died in this nation in our own Civil War. We're especially good at harming ourselves. Violence. It's a spirit of violence. How do we overcome that? We have to resist the devil. We have to step back. I, I talk with couples a lot about what does it mean for a man to lead his family. Let me tell you one of the things. Let me give you a word picture. When you get to this place in your family, what a leader does is he gives. He's he, he takes that, someone has to be the first one to say, let's stop here. Let's, let's stop here. We've got some prayer cards in the back today that are prayers for couples. And one of the things, if you want prayer and anointing for your marriage, for your family today, I want you to go back when we have that time to go back and maybe get one of those cards and just start praying that over each other. Start praying the best for each other. But that a man, a mature man, is one who knows how to control his lusts and his fears. And when we can do that, when we stop the violence by stopping this, this is the natural response. That's the red horse. Then you have the black horse. I opened a, then he opened the third seal. 
And I heard the third creature say, come. And I looked and behold, a black horse and its rider had a pair of scales. This, this seems to, to indicate some, somehow a level of rationing that's going on here. There's, there's a hunger, there, there's food, there's a, there's a need here for food. And it, and it says there, and I heard in the midst a quart of wheat for a denarius. A denarius would be a normal day's wages. So you can get a quart of wheat or you can get three quarts of barley. Barley was, was not what people ate. That's what you fed your livestock. A normal family would consume a quart of wheat, but you'd have three quarts of, of barley for your livestock. But then, but it says, don't harm the oil and the wine. There's a favoritism here. The oil and the wine was the food of the rich. And when you have war and when you have famine, the people that tend to prosper are the wealthy. That's, that's the way that economies tend to work. This is saying, now listen, we have a situation here, an unsustainable sense of economy that's going on. There is famine going on in the land. People, this is what I believe God is telling us to do in the church today, that we're going to look at the economy differently. Because in the, in the church, in the people of God, we see an economy that's God's economy. When we stop doing the things that he tells us to do, when we step away from the tithe, when we step away from the years of Jubilee, when in, in God's word, he says, listen, you don't harvest every corner of your field. You leave places so that people can go and help themselves. And then we would step in as the church and be the people that go and help those who cannot help themselves. And when we step away from that, we put people in cycles of poverty that they can't get into. That's what this is saying. They're saying, listen, you can eat or you can feed your animals. You can't do both. But the wealthy get excluded from this. And it says that they were given authority here. But before they're given authority, there's one more horse, the pale horse. And this pale horse, the fourth seal, verse seven, the living creature said, come. And I looked and a pale horse. And this pale horse, its rider's name is death and Hades. That's just the place of the dead. And they're given authority over the fourth of the earth. That word, that word pale horse, it's the Greek word's chloris. It's where we get chlorine from. It's literally, it means green. It means sickly. There's a false blame that tends to happen often in history through disease. And when the black plagues were going through Europe, the Jewish people got blamed. They said, the Jews aren't getting sick. Everybody else is getting sick. The Jews must be bringing this. We need to pray for our Jewish friends. We're gonna see that God's not done with them here in just a second. But the reason they didn't get sick was they were following Old Testament laws on cleanliness. Deuteronomy 23, 12, you can look it up for yourself. I'm not gonna put the verse on the screen. But whenever I take a group of students camping, I have a shovel and I have Deuteronomy 23, 12 written on the shovel. Oh, is that verse on the screen? Okay, good. No, don't put that verse on the screen. We were camping. I, I used to take kids backpacking all the time. We need to get back to that. And, and this, this, this young man who had lived a very privileged life came up and he said, we're like in the middle of nowhere. He goes, where's the bathroom? I said, it's right there, pal. Leaned against the tree. And he goes, what about the bears? I said, no, listen, bears don't want to be around you any more than we do. You're, you're going to be fine. You're going to be safe. 
But the Old Testament laws gave them a way of living in a way that was clean that prevented that disease. But this is the pale horse. This is the sickly, and they're given authority over the fourth of the earth to kill. And look how they look what they have. They have the authority. That's the king of peace. That false peace. They have. Here's the red horse, the sword. Here's the black horse, the famine. Here's the green horse, the pestilence. And here's what's really interesting. Most of your Bibles say, and by wild beasts of the earth. That word and can just as easily be translated even by instead of and by. And that word wild beast, it's diminutive. It, it means tiny little wild beasts. How would John have understood viruses and bacteria? Tiny little wild beasts. That, that brought pestilence onto the earth. Verses nine through 11. This is the fifth seal. And I think this is one that's more commentary. I think the audience is not the martyrs under the altar. I think this audience is actually the people that are alive still in this day. I op he opened the fifth seal and I saw the alt under the altar the souls of those who had been slain. What have they been slain for? The word of God and the witness that they had borne. And they cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you'll judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell the earth? And they were given a white robe and told to rest. They were said, hey, just, just wait a little bit longer. God's heart is broken by the injustice of this world. Jesus' death is a sign of that. But he's saying to his people, there, there are gonna be natural consequences here. These natural consequences are not directed at you. There is a discipline that God brings, but that's not what this is. This is natural consequence. The lamb gets blamed for these things, but that's not what's going on here. He disciplines those that he loves. We have, we have two dogs. We have a lab and a Bernie doodle. A Bernie doodle is a Bernie's mountain dog crossed with a poodle. Now, a Bernese Mountain Dog is one of the most powerful dogs that, that there are. They're similar to a St. Bernard. They climb in the snow and dig people out of the snow. They're very affectionate and very strong, specifically in their back legs. We, we have e-collars. They're not shock collars. They're e-collars. It's basically like a TENS unit because both of our dogs have a problem. Our lab, who loves the water, has discovered that our neighbor has a pool. And thankfully, our neighbor loves us, but Emery loves to run over and take a dip in the morning. So we have to have the e-collar, or she'll see us, and we'll holler at her, and she'll just keep running and go jump in the pool, swim a couple laps, and then come back. The, the Bernice Mountain Dog Poodle, who basically is the size of a small horse at this point, the UPS driver has been giving him treats. So he's learned, she's a wonderful UPS driver, so he runs up, jumps up on his incredibly powerful, he can walk like a bear on his back legs. And, and he runs up and he walks up to the, to the UPS truck and she gives him treats. Well, that works with the UPS driver, but it's freaking all the other delivery people out because they're just pulling up and here comes Cujo and, and he's jumping up there and, and it scared him to death. So we have this e-collar. The response is really different. When I put the e-collar on Emery, she just trembles. Cash, on the other hand, has, he doesn't want me to put it on him because he wants to just run and be free and, and get treats from UPS drivers. But Cash will lay down, and as I'm putting his collar on, he'll roll over and he'll lick my hand 
as I'm putting the e-collar on him. Now, do you think I would ever zap him after he does that? Absolutely not. I want that to be my response to the discipline of the Lord. That I know this is for my well-being, that he's not trying to harm me. Look, look, at, look at the next, amen. Look at the next, look at the next verses. He opened the sixth seal. There's a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth. The full moon became like blood. The stars fell to the earth as fig tree sheds its winter fruit. It's like falling very rapidly. The sky vanished like a scroll that's being rolled up. And every mountain and island was removed from its place. And a hundred years ago, no one would have any knowledge of any natural thing in the world that could do that. We do now. We have nuclear weapons. To be honest, it sounds a lot like, this sounds a lot like that to me. I don't know if that's what it is. I do have good news for you. 40 years ago, we had 70,000 nuclear weapons. Now we only have 14,000. And we know where most of those are. I'm serious. This is, this is a balancing of the scales, though. No one's exempt here. It, verse 15, the kings of the earth, the great ones, the generals, the rich and the powerful, and everyone slave and free hide in the caves. When, when this happens, this, this, what again, I believe is a natural consequence. This isn't the lamb doing this. This is false blame. They, they say, fall on us, hide from us the face of him who's seated on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of wrath has come. No, it hasn't. No, we're not even close yet. And then look at this, chapter seven, verse, verse four. There's a, there's a number of sealed, 144,000. God's not done. He sends angels out. He says, wait, stop this carnage. Sends angels out to all parts of the earth because there is going to be a revival among the Jewish people. 12,000 of each tribe. Now here's what's really interesting and I wish I had 45 minutes to dig into this. I'm gonna do it in about 45 seconds. When you look at this list of the tribes, there's a tribe that's excluded. It's the tribe of Dan. Because in Genesis and in Deuteronomy, and I have the references there, it talks about what happens when you as a tribe fall into idolatry. The tribe of Dan fell into idolatry and they lost their place of being engaged in this kingdom revival that's happening. But here's what's interesting. When you look at God's promises and you look at what happens when they go into the land, the tribe of Dan is not excluded. Translation. Church, you can find yourself in a place where you're not doing the kingdom call that God has for you. You can abandon him, but he doesn't abandon you. That's the amazing thing. We, as a nation, have replaced kingdom with politics. We've replaced revival with revolution, repentance with rage, but God is still at work. He has not forgotten us, and he has not forgotten his children. It's called his grace, and he's not forgotten us. Now, here's the good part. Chapter, chapter seven, verse nine, and I looked, and behold. Remember I, told, I said, listen, I think those verses are a commentary for the, for the people of the earth that are going through hard times because that's not what's happening. There's no whining in heaven. But look at what's going on in heaven. Look, and I looked in a great multitude that no one could number from every nation and every tribe. Look, 
all the differences that we put on ourselves. It could have just said a great multitude of all, of all but it, he has to break it down for us because we divide ourselves naturally. Every nation, all tribes, all people, all languages, standing before the throne and before the lamb. The lamb's responsible for this. He's not responsible for all that other stuff. He's responsible for this. Clothed in white robes with palm branches, crying out with a loud voice. We need more, more crying there, okay? All right? Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. And the angels were standing around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne, and they worshiped God saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. There's no fear here. They're not hindered by the violence of the earth. They're not hindered by all of that. This is an act of worship. This is the true voice. Now watch this. Verse 13. One of the elders addressed me saying, Who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? This is a rhetorical question. I said to him, sir, you know, you know. He said, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. Some people believe a premillennial view that, that we are looking at a timeline that's linear. Some believe it's an amillennial. It's not the best name for it, but basically it's a cyclic view of all of the things that we're gonna be seeing. Regardless, there is going to be a time of trouble. Whether that time of trouble was 2,000 years or it's gonna be seven very intense years, we can argue about, talk about, this is what we know. There's bound to be some trouble. Anybody got some in their life today? Nobody. All right, yeah. There's bound to be some trouble. But that's not forever. Look at this, verse 15. There they are, worship team, get ready, come on. They're, they are before the throne of God. That's the true authority. This is not the broken authority of the one who says, I bring peace, the Hitlers of the world, the Stalins of the world. I bring peace, but no, it's not real peace. No, this is true authority before this throne of God. This is anti the white horse and serve him day and night in his temple who sits on the throne will shelter them there with his presence. Red horse, you don't win either because they're sheltered by the very presence of God. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst anymore. The black horse, he loses too. They're fed. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. No, no more harm from from the earth or from the scorching heat, the fallingness of the figs or, or the stars falling from the sky. Look at this. For the lamb in the midst of their throne will be their shepherd. The red horse, the black horse, the white horse, the pale horse, they all lose to the lamb. You bet on the wrong horse if you bet on one of those four. It's the lamb, that little diminutive lamb that looked like it had been slave. And he will guide them to springs of living water. My people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living water. Water is where the pestilence comes from. That's the grain horse. Here's the answer. The answer to all these things is not just in doing the things that God calls us to do. There is an ultimate answer. Listen, 
We as God's people are going to be working across the world here in our schools, in families to bring healing, to bring restoration, to, to make things wrong that are right. And God has uniquely done that through this little church. What you guys have done around the world, it, it just continues to astound me. In two weeks, the Corleys are gonna be here. We're gonna talk about what God's doing in Cambodia. Listen, miracle after miracle after miracle. We see this, we see this in the lives of our kids. We see this restoration and look at this. This is what he does and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. You know what that doesn't say? There won't be any tears. There will be tears, but he'll wipe them away. I know, I know, I know what you're going through. I know the struggles. I know the challenges. I see you crying in the night. I, I was there when the doctor called. I know. I want to show you a picture of a young lady. Her name's Naomi Adamu. She was a young teenage girl at Chinbok School for Young Girls in Nigeria in April of 2014. It was an evening. They were doing what girls do. They were giggling about boys and accessorizing. And the sound of the night was broken by gunfire. And Boko Haram terrorists came in to that defenseless school and took these girls and put them on trucks and took them back into the wilderness. Family members heard about it. They chased on their motorcycles until they lost track. Many of them died in the process. The world was outraged, nearly 300 girls taken. The world leaders tweeted about it, actually only making the matter worse because it emboldened not just the terrorists, but they said, no, now this is working. Now the world, we have the attention of the world. That's what we wanted all along. Militaries, 14 of the world's most powerful militaries used their satellites and their drones, sent their people out. They couldn't find these girls. And for nearly three years, Naomi was the leader of this group of girls. She smuggled her Bible. They made her put on a burqa, tried to convert, get her to convert to Islam. The whole time she said no, she said no, she said no. They said, Mary, one of these Boko Haram terrorists. She said, no, I won't do it. They beat her. They didn't feed her. And when the other girls said to her, just, just do what they say, they'll, they'll feed you. She said, no, they're not starving me, I'm fasting. She took that which the enemy intended for evil and turned it around. And finally, they let her and 86 more of those girls go because they could not control this little girl. That, amen. It's still a problem. God's, I, I don't know exactly what God's doing here, but, but you know, there's been a move of Nigerians to New Hope. There's a number of people from Nigeria here. Maybe we need to figure out some answers there. We're, we're gonna pray now. We're gonna pause in the midst of, of this time. Sarah's gonna sing a song over you. 
We're gonna have communion and we've got, we'll have people in the back to anoint and pray. We'll have communion on the, on the wings. You can go to those places as well. And maybe you are in the middle of one of these battles right now. Maybe it's a violence battle. Maybe it's, maybe it's words. It's not physical. Maybe it's words. Maybe it's, maybe it's pestilence. Maybe it's disease. Maybe it's economics that's going on. Maybe there's a battle for peace right now. You have something pressing in on you. There's no ability to have peace right now. Maybe you feel like God's forgotten you. He hasn't. And today we're gonna, we're gonna worship in with what I believe is happening in heaven at these same moments that God is at work there and here on earth as it is in heaven. We're gonna pray for healings. We're gonna pray for miracles. And for some, we're gonna pray that you would just sustain until he's been able to do the things that he says he's got to wait to do. That's his commentary to us. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, I, I read those stories and um, I see we, we've lived in a country here for a long time where we've been safe. No one's come no one's come for our children here. We're not afraid of terrorists in the night, really. If, if, we, if someone breaks in our home, someone will come and, and they'll stop it. It's not that way everywhere. But Lord, we still live in, in threats and in dangers and and we still, our entire country can be shut down by a little tiny beast that we can't even see. There's false pieces. There's, there's, there's wars and rumors of wars. There's poverty. All those things. And then there's, there's these threats that we know we can't control of, of principalities and powers, countries that could go to war and destroy millions, billions of people in a matter of an afternoon. But this is what your word says. The one who's ultimately in authority is not these false kings. It's not these horsemen. It's not the ones who have their thumbs on the buttons. It's the one who's on the throne. So we would pause and we would pray and we would seek your healing and we would ask you to be working in the details of our life. And we do that now. Amen. Trouble is not forever. And God has not forgotten you. Thanks for joining us. I'm Myrna Brown.